You're listening to Think, Think, Thought, a podcast about building thinking classrooms and teaching math. Hi, everyone. Kyle here. Uh, really excited to have both uh, Megan. Hi, everyone. And Dean on board for this episode. Hello. It's been a while since we've had an episode, but I think it's for good reason. We've been pretty busy here in Regina. Uh, notably, Dean's been recently awarded Prime Minister's Award for Teaching Excellence in STEM. So it's a really exciting celebration. Thank you. A, a wonderful you know, recognition of all the great work he's done over the years. So congrats, Dean. Thank you. Well, you're, you get your huge well, part of that. You guys make me better. So thank you. And another nice highlight that we want to share out as we get started with this episode is Megan's book that she's co-written with Peter is now available for pre-order on Corwin's website. And that book is all about tasks in elementary end of things. Um, so congrats, Megan. Anything you want to add about that? No, just that it, it should be fun. Uh, we we are still in the editing phase of it all. like So it's going to be as like I'm up to date as it's humanly possible for a book to be up to date. Because, you know, as there is, there's always like new stuff. So we try to keep it as relevant as possible because thinking classroom is like a big organism that just moves and lives and breathes and changes all day to day. So... Yeah, it really does. I love that about it. Um, and those of you here with us in Regina know that we've been pretty busy uh, this last month or so. We've had Peter in town for basically half of October, two full weeks. We, he was yeah. here not only running workshops, but doing some work for an upcoming book that he's working on as well. Um, really exciting. We got a lot of teachers in front of Peter. We did a lot of work with them. We hosted some groups from across the country here, observing some thinking classrooms in action. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, made some great connections yeah. there. St. Jude's, it was wonderful. Yeah, they were it was wonderful. yeah the visit yeah. that lady from high school from there was fantastic. Yeah, we had, we had a lot of fun with them. Um, and Megan and myself have been on the road spreading the building thing classroom word outside of Saskatchewan <laughs> as well. So. Were you trying to like tiptoe around the um, biblical references? Yeah, yeah. discipleship. Spread some <laughs> of the word. <laughs> exactly. The good news though. Doing the conversion. <laughs> you guys um, are bad. good. You guys are great ambassadors for the, everything. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, we're we're excited to share this with anyone and everyone because, as as you all know, we live and breathe thinking classrooms uh, day in and day out. The three of us. So we're just gonna take some time on this episode. Uh, we don't have any guests today, but we have some great ones lined up down the road here, and we're gonna talk a little bit about what we've learned from our time with Peter this last month and some of the tips and tricks maybe that Dean and Megan have picked up, teachers in classrooms, putting this stuff into action. So one of the things that I really noticed when we were doing the workshops with Peter, um, and Megan, you brought this up before we started to record, is this idea of a, of a launch, a body, and a close in a thinking classroom lesson. So Megan, do you want to kick us off and just tell us a little bit about what that was all about and what you noticed when Peter was starting to emphasize that in the workshops? Yeah, so this came out, well, Sorry, I shouldn't say this came out, but this was the first time I saw it was the first week in October. And I feel like everybody who is in the know kind of understands that there is a structure to ETC, but I just think that it wasn't like as defined. And so I thought it was interesting at his newer workshops for like us to kind of as educators dissect the launch, the body and the close and, and like breaking those down and then and really he has a much different, and maybe not a much different close, but but he's kind of like refined the close even more into like different ways of closing a lesson, which I really appreciated. And I thought that was like good for my brain to be like, oh, okay, this is kind of how it works and like how to follow that is like not necessarily like 
mimicking it, but like there's like a structure to follow that's like a bit more clear for for those teachers for that creates a an easier entry point for them, right? To see it because it's hard to see it, right? Sometimes. Yeah, I, th- I think sometimes thinking classrooms is perceived as kind of all over the map. If you don't know what's going on, it looks a little chaotic. Um, this this emphasis on the launch body close has really refined that and given people almost a lesson plan template that they can kind of follow and make sure that they're hitting all these different pieces within their lesson, which I really like because you want to have elements of all three, you know, and, and I know I'm guilty for it. Sometimes I miss the close altogether, whether I lose track of time or it just doesn't quite go the way I want. Um, so that's just something to, to, you know, that we'll talk a little bit about. Um, one thing that jumps out to me is the launch and how he really started to differentiate between the types of tasks we might be giving in a thinking classroom. So he talked about this idea of divergent tasks and convergent tasks. Um, Diverging tasks being the ones where you give the task and you're going to see a ton of different solutions, uh, different approaches. This is, you know, probably what people think of when they think of a thinking classroom. Tasks like 3D tic-tac-toe, if you've done that, or anything that's a little more open-ended, you still might arrive at the same answer, but you're going to see a much more diverse range of ideas. And that's going to impact what the the close looks like, which is really yeah. Um, And then on the other hand, you've got those converging tasks. And these are the ones that are, tend to be the more curricular types of tasks where everyone's kind of working on similar things with similar answers, similar strategies. Um, and that gives you a very different type of close as well. So that's going to be something that we can unpack a little bit as we talk as well. Um, Dean, you had a little time with Peter. What jumped out to you? Yeah, well, I like the fact that like even at the beginning, trying to build on prerequisite knowledge and, and bring that in to get that entry point in there. So you're not just jumping right into a new topic. You're trying to, you know, scaffold and, and see what's going on with that. And then, you know, when you got the body, I really like the banner idea as well. Uh, you know, when the students are involved and to keep the flow going uh, inside of it. And then, yeah, like I like how you mentioned uh, the divergent part, like, you, you would walk around and maybe do a gallery walk and go in that. But when it's convergent, you can bring them all together. You don't necessarily do the walk. You can just come to one area there and just make sure they're all on the same page and then have those opportunities to maybe follow that up with a, you know, a, a mild medium or a spicy question and allowing the students to enter where they feel comfortable, I think was, was uh, really, really impressive. And, even working with the teachers there too that I got to work with, it was is even noticeable with adults. Like they, you know, some student, some adults wanted to do like different questions, which of course I think will buy a lot to the students and really get students feeling like, hey, I can enter where I feel, uh, you know, I feel more comfortable with and, and feel success. So uh, yeah, there's so so much goodness. And then I think we'll maybe talk about notes a little bit more, but I like the new approach uh, to notes as well. For sure. Well, or looking even, I remember doing, and this was like last year, Kyle, Kyle, you were talking about how your favorite task was the answers are. It's a great task, but I never loved it because I wanted to be able to consolidate it. Yeah. And this was the first time that like, that it made sense because he was doing what I guess is called notice and naming, or yeah, notice and notice and naming variation theory, I think which is just like the um, idea of like bringing kids together and then having them discuss what are the different complexity levels of different questions as a way for them to think about it. And before the answers are is a phenomenal task, but it never felt like it had a good close to me. And I was like, this is a beautiful close. I love this. 
Yeah, I think I, I loved that task initially because the flow you got into was just incredible. <laughs> but when when we saw a consolidation go alongside it, it just amped it up to the next level. Um, and just for those of you that haven't seen this version of the consolidation, um, what what Peter ended up doing and, and what we've done and replicated multiple times with great success is uh, they work on, you know, the answers are there. They're working through it. Everyone gets to a different spot. But at some point, we pull everyone together. We come to a spot. And we've got a new set of answers on the board. And what we do is we talk to the to whoever's participating, teachers, students, whatever the case, the audience is that day. And we say, okay, what sign do we know we can put where? So we're not talking about where the numbers have to go and the answers are. We're talking about where the sign is. And we talk about the next sign and the other sign. And we're really emphasizing that, helping them build a strategy. And just as soon as they've got that, we throw them another set with another slight little variation and we consolidate that. And that's just, like you said, Megan, that takes that task to a whole nother level. It was one of my favorites to begin with. And now it's probably, you know, if it's not number one, it's number two or three. So uh, it's way up there. And then maybe let's talk a little bit about some of those ending and closing pieces. Um, I think there's so much to unpack that maybe people who have only read the book or haven't had a chance to hear Peter speak in a while, maybe really haven't gotten. And I think um, Peter teased a bunch of these ideas when he did our episode five. And that was a while ago, and we haven't really unpacked that. So maybe we can do some of that. Um, where do we where do we want to start with? So we, I think we should talk about check your understanding questions, the homework. I think we should talk about notes, and I think we should talk about this new consolidation. May get started. Uh, Dean, where do you want to start? Uh, well, you know what? I really enjoyed the notes. Uh, you know, breaking into quadrants and then giving students an example. And I really actually like the fact that we use boxes instead of variables like X and that I noticed it, I used that in my own class and kids were right away. They were drawn to the boxes. Maybe it's something about X and, and letters that really confuse students and have students kind of wondering, Oh no, this is going to be hard math now that there's, you know, like that I can't do because there's letters involved. But I just noticed something as simple as putting a, a, a box there uh, really goes through. So in the first example, you know, you add the question on there and then you do the question with them. Then you pick another question that you think they should do with the variance on there from the first that would tie things in, right? And then they have to kind of work that out. And, and again, they're trying to get those notes for their future forgetful self. And then in another quadrant, in a third example, I like the fact that they pick an example that would make sense to them that they want to do. So they could pick a medium, a mild or a spicy example that really would help them uh, click in. So if they went back in three weeks and looked at it, they looked at their example three, they would say, oh yeah, I remember exactly how to do this. And I just had to look at my work and that makes sense and I can jump in. And then having the other quadrant for things to remind your, your future forgetful self, like whether it's a definition and you as a teacher can say, hey, write this down, but also leave that space where, you know, they can write down a couple of notes or, or things that to add in to, um, to help themselves out, whether, you know, they just like, they needed to put a, to draw something, a picture or put a word down that would just trigger like, oh yeah, that's, this brings everything into. So I really think the notes take on a, a whole new meeting and the kids buy into the notes more and becomes more their own. So you start them off, but then you kind of slowly release it. That is their responsibility. And I just see that the kids are learning how to take notes a little bit better rather than just kind of saying, here, take some notes off this. We walked around you know, take what you need. I like the fact that I, I kind of direct it and then direct it a little bit less and then it's open and then give them some uh, things that they should remember, but then give them ability to to make it their own and that too. So uh, something I definitely want to get better at 
But I noticed even after the one session, I that's the one beautiful thing about having Peter come in and I get to run into my class and try it right away mm-hmm. is that I really saw like in that, like, I just saw some more lights go on and I saw more, I saw students do try the notes a, a lot more than, than before. So uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I think that's, and I know Megan, you played with this a little bit. Um, but I think the one thing that I really want to emphasize with the notes that was a good good learning piece for me when we learned about this from Peter recently, is that you start out with collaborative notes. Now that's what they're yeah. that's what he's kind of recommending, right? This is not a just go to your desk and write down anything you might want to remember. It's got a structure, and you're doing mm-hmm. it with some collaboration within your same group. And often it's the same group you just work through the task with. So I think that's a really healthy piece. You're doing it on the white books, on the whiteboards, wherever you're doing your whatever you have for not vertical non permanent services. But um, more importantly, it's a collaborative piece. Um, and then the question always is, okay, but like, what about individual note taking? So Megan, what's the answer to that? Well, you can always just take a picture of it. There's your like individual notes done. But um, if you really, really, really want to, um, I would say once your kids are um, comfortable enough, you can like let them do it on their own after, but you still always do the collaborative notes. Those collaborative notes never leave. Because I think what's beautiful about the collaborative collaborative notes is that they give the students some anchor to just copy down the notes they just made or they also have those like micro choices of like do i want to take notes from this other group and and like maybe they see other things because the beauty for me is that in um in those things to remember after doing the consolidation and doing the um convergent task i'm shocked to see how how um how well and how poignant the kids can be about like what they want to actually remember in like words because I sometimes I'm like oh they didn't quite get what I want them to do like they can like do it but they don't quite understand it and it's interesting to see like the the things that they find valuable and they want to remember like I was doing uh it was a table of values to an, uh, an equation and this one kid was like or one group was like um if you do like the skip counting can can help you figure out what to multiply by but but then they flipped it underneath and was like however the skip counting on the y tells you how to divide and i was like oh like that was something that like i didn't teach them clearly but that was some connection that they saw and they're like oh like this is how it works so it is really interesting to see those things about if you need to just take a picture if you desperately want them to have their own individual notes or but be aware that like some kids might not want to copy down notes. Like I've got kids who are not great with um, their fine motor. Like they might not want to write that down on paper. So allow them to take those pictures. But those collaborative notes, I don't think should ever go away. Yeah, they're they're such a fantastic way to kind of, you know, consolidate <laughs> and just pull everything Not together. Right. Just happen. Um, some, some notes of caution, I think I want to just share with these notes is that if you come in maybe over planned on this or you have the template ready to go, be ready to change it because at the end of the day, if your kids don't get as far as you think they they will or they'll go way further than you thought they would, you're going to have to adjust what that note looks like, what examples you're choosing to have in those first and second quadrants like Dean was talking about. So if you overplan that, um, it's going to be a problem. The other thing that we've seen a bit of is people you know, making making templates of these, the, following this format, the note, they look fantastic. But again, they're a static version of these and they're not designed to be just printed off as a worksheet to give to kids to fill in on their own. I think you're going to have similar impacts as you would have with the previous version of notes to your future forgetful self. 
or whatever you might have used before Thinking Classroom. So um, we would highly, 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 how many times can I say highly, recommend. Highly. <laughs> recommend. Exponential <you>. highly. <laughs> do highly the, factorial? <laughs> do, do it collaboratively. You're going to see such a profound impact um, and be flexible as you're doing it on the fly. So yeah, um, I would uh, I would totally 100% uh, back that up because when I did it online and we were collaborating and I drew the quadrant and I was doing it with them and I used examples that I saw them talking about and, and that like they really bought into it because it was fresh on their mind. If I would have pre-planned it too much, I might have had a question that they, maybe they already, like Kyle said, it was way too easy. They already got or too hard, but I knew that from watching them and the question I did in their example one were was a good question to base and notes off of because I knew that's where they're at. So Kyle, I, I, I really love that point you made. Oh yeah. So I started, I brought back cause, because I started to do some convergent tasks and kids were going too fast. So then I start, started bringing back the um, Joker for having one of my students who would like get a, a purple marker like me and then have all of them questions. And the kid was like, they're done. They're done all the questions. So I'm furiously like writing out the next questions because I have three groups who are like just like whipping past the craziest things. I could have a guide, but like you never know where they're going to go. Like spicy wasn't even spicy enough for them. Mm -hmm. Like most of my kids were getting really, and I was like, oh boy. So like, it's interesting that you have to be so fluid, Yeah, which is kind of true with the consolidation too, right? Like you can't like with that notice and naming variation, essentially the new version just says, Hello, my beautiful mathematicians. <laughs> I have put three questions on the board, kind of like the questions you just did. However, I think they might be in the wrong order. Can you tell me which order they should be in? And they go. But once again, you cannot, like you really can't put questions that they haven't seen on there. Like the yeah. types of questions that, that they haven't seen. So you really have to be aware of like where they got that day. Sure. And like Peter has said, you know, T today's medium might be t tomorrow's mild. That's okay. Like it's not the end of the world if that's the case, right? So yeah, it's interesting. I, I really like this new form of consolidation and let's get right into it. So like Megan said, you've got three questions misordered on a whiteboard. There seems to be something that works really well about writing them out in a dry erase marker on whiteboard as opposed to projecting them or giving them on a piece of paper. And that's probably tied to the other research Peter did about how, when, and where to give tasks but it seems to work really well. And then they, they turn talk, they talk about it. And then the next part, which I think is really important is we start to look at what's similar between all of those. So you give three examples in that random order, they rank them, give them a one, two, three, ABC, however you want to distinguish which one should have been first, second, third. And you know, if you're doing the first step, you do the first step with all three at the same time to show how those questions are similar. The second step, you might do the same with all three. Um, and then where it starts to get a little different between the different levels, we have to sh let students notice, well, what's the difference between this one and that one? Yeah. Because as much as we know that there's differences, we made the questions, we teach it, we know there's those differences. Students don't necessarily recognize it. They're still seeing everything as this random set of questions. We need to help them notice all those differences. And there's been such a powerful way to, to consolidate. And it's really quick. You can do this in five minutes. Um, unlike some of these gallery walk consolidations that might take 20 to 30 minutes, if you really want to do it right, this one you can do a version of in five minutes if you're tight on time, depending on your topic, obviously. Um, Dean, you've dabbled with this a little bit, right? Yeah. No, I've uh, 
you know, getting better at uh, figuring which are the mild, medium, and spicy and doing that. But, you know, sometimes people are going like, well, where will I find all this and that? Like, I was actually able to go back into a test bank and find some of the questions and, and use those and you then put those in different orders and, and let the students approach them and, and see what they wanted to do. And so, you know, like they were actually questions that would have been appearing on a test, but now I was using them as a task. And it was just different even to see the kids approach of it. They weren't like apprehensive. They were like, okay, well, let's look at these. Like, you know, it's just even a different mind uh, set to do these questions uh, that way rather than realizing, oh, is this for marks or is this, uh, you know, that test anxiety that can happen. So to use those questions and have students kind of attack them the way they did, it was really cool to see that it's getting to the point that they're not even worried, like, is this for marks? It's that they're starting to realize, oh, this is for my learning and I can find out if, you know, where to, where I enter at. And, and it's really cool to see kids starting to just, you know, see, what do I do? Do I... This one's first, is this one second, is this one third, and kids are the conversations are a lot more rich. So it's definitely something that I'm excited to use more and more and see where it goes. But my initial workings with this is is it's fantastic. That's amazing to hear kids being able to do this for their learning rather than their mark or their grade. Um, and what's really interesting is Dean, you've got grade twelve students. Yeah. Megan, I've seen you do this with your kindergartens. I have done this with my kindergartens, but you always have to, everything's a little different in a kindergarten. So for instance, I was doing this and this is just in my head because I did this like yesterday or the day before, but fair warning for any kindergarten kids or for any kindergarten teachers here. If you say which one is the hardest, like whatever, um, cause you kind of have to be a little bit more explicit with what you say. Cause like you want them to reorder in the older grades, but like kids don't know what the order is supposed to be, right? So you can say, which one is the easiest? They're going to give you their favorite. They will not give you the easiest. <laughs> they will give you whatever is their favorite number. So I was doing this with dice and it was like, there was a dice with two. There was a dice with six, which is a bit more difficult for kindergartens to count. And then there was one with, um, with like two dice, like five and four. And the kids are like, yep, yeah, the, the, uh, the, like I'm two dice was the, the easiest for that. But I was like, this is so clearly not the easiest, <laughs> but it was clearly their favorite and they liked it. I found as well is doing an example. Like I think what works better for kindergartners, and I think that you can get there once they're ready, but is using the, the, like I'm answers are kind of consolidation where you're giving them an example. So this week I had them create snowmen. And they could do anything they want with their snowman. They could give them like a traditional snowman has three snowballs. He could have 10 snowballs. He could have two. He could have one. He could have six eyes. He could have four hats. He could have two scarves. So we did that and the kids did amazing. Like it was one of their best lessons ever. Kylie, I don't know why somebody wasn't filming that day. <laughs> but <laughs> I was literally saying to my two MIAs because I have two high need students, and I was like, where is the camera crew today? Where where are they? <laughs> they should be here. But what I did instead was that I did something similar to what uh, we did for the like answers are. So, so then I built a snowman and then they had to say, oh, like how many hats? How many arms did he have? And all of those things. And that was a better consolidation for that kind of task. I found for the kids, even though it was a more divergent task, 
that was a nice way to, to, to kind of convert their learning because they were still kind of doing the same type of thing. But it is tough because they just want to talk about their favorite thing. And also they might want to say it is like an easiest because that makes them sound really smart, right? <laughs> if that's really easy for them, then they're really smart, right? And like it's there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just how they think. Mm-hmm. Their brains are just, they're just tiny humans still working on it. But regardless of age, kindergarten all year 12 and beyond or earlier, that consolidation is so key, right? We want to make sure oh, yeah. that whatever just happened, all this wonderful learning doesn't just, you know, evaporate into the air as soon as we all leave the room. So it's a good way between the notes and this this notice and name consolidation that really, really pulls it together. The other thing that pulls it together is check your understanding. And check your understanding is probably the one, it's probably evolved the least out of the three that we're going to talk about today. But there's some refinements that I found make it really easy. So we've been talking a lot about this whole mild, medium, spicy piece, but we haven't talked about how to give those to kids in ways that are maybe more meaningful or impactful at the end of the lesson. So one of the things that we saw from Peter that he's been doing and how he's been modeling it and what we've been doing in classrooms is, you know, once you've done the task and then depending how you sequence your consolidation here, but you'll, you'll put right up on the board, three mild questions, three medium questions, three spicy questions. That's it. Keep it short, keep it simple, because it's called quality over quantity, right? We don't need a thousand questions to reinforce a lot of these topics. We can just hammer them home with three really good ones. And and like every other type of consolidation we see, we see kids say, hey, I'm going to do a mild, then a medium, then I'm going to try all the spicy. You might have some kids ready to dump, jump right into the spicy. And for whatever reason, like we talked about uh, with the other pieces, is like if you write it on a whiteboard, and label them as mild, medium, spicy, you're going to have more impact than giving it on a piece of paper or projecting it on a board. So that extra minute it might take for you to write this down on a board is worth it because we see it translate into student engagement. And honestly, do it while they're also doing something else. Um, while they're yeah. you know, notes or while they're, you know, whatever the case is, works really well. And then they still go down and they still sit and do it independently while being collaborative if they would so choose. You also see some kids gravitate to a board and work on them there. So it's pretty cool. Um, one thing that he noted, and I thought this was really important, um, sometimes we want to add even spicier questions onto the to the list. The red hot chili pepper <laughs> yeah. challenge. What's the new one? The pepper X or whatever it is? Go pepper. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so what's the verdict on that? Should we be adding a fourth category that's even spicier? Well, I'd say not really because it's really going to intimidate the students that want to do that entry level at the at the mild. So spicy is good enough for the spicy, but the the people that are going in at the mild, they're going to see this one and go, whoa, I got to get there. There's no way. Like mm-hmm. it is just too intimidating to put that red hot chili pepper uh, on there. So keeping it to three is super important. I think so. Well, and like to be honest with you, if you really, really like want to just put it under spicy. Just make it another spicy question. And then if the kids get to that question, they are already in spicy, right? Because right. rather than moving the goalposts, we just right. can continue to add each level. Maybe you even need more mild depending on the day. Let's just right. go and add some more to it, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and I don't know about you, Dean, but I'm really surprised by, by the amount of kids who start at medium. And I've seen this all the way down to like grade one. I've seen kids say, I'm going to do medium. And then if it's too hard, go to mild. If it's too easy, do a spicy. That's a really, really like really great way of like a student showing you that like they are understanding that variation 
between these questions and how they're trying to be more effective with their time. Have you seen that in high school? Yeah, it's very similar. Most start at the medium because they don't yeah. want to be. You know, and most of them, though, after doing it in their groups, a lot of times they don't even need the mile. They're ready for the medium, which is nice to see as well because they're learning from each other. But uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem that's age uh, specific on that. It seems like right through the continuum, I'd say a lot of you want to start at the medium, but uh, it's nice to have that backup plan that, okay, try another questionnaire and then maybe you're ready to come back to the, to the next level. Well, and what's really interesting to me is I've seen, you know, a couple hundred teachers go through this in workshops, whether ones that I've run or Peter's yeah. run and, and we get them to, after the end of a thin slice lesson, we do that, the, the notice and name consolidation, then we do notes. And then we do check oh. understanding and teachers sit down and they do the question. They do the question. That's really policing it, but they want mm -hmm. to see, just like our students, if they can now do it themselves. Right. And that's and actually a workshop that we were in. Yeah. yeah check that's your perfect. understanding. Like they're actually like, that's exactly what's happening. It couldn't be better named. I agree. And actually one of my colleagues, a um, good friend is a, a grade one teacher who was in that workshop. And I laughed, not because she's not good at math. But it's just like she was a grade one teacher, which we were doing the Gauss problem. And that doesn't really apply to a grade one teaching. I'm not sure if anybody like knows that, but it doesn't really apply greatly. And she did all of them. And she's like, I'm on spicy. I'm on the third one. I was like, that's, that's amazing how she was just doing it because she wanted to do it. And she like likes math, sure. But she teaches grade one. There was no professional development piece there where she should figure this out because she would do it the next day like with her kids. Yeah. But it's, it's right. both that engagement and that wanting to be successful yeah. piece. And, and we see that with kids. You're seeing that with kids. It's amazing. So looking at the clock here, we want to wrap up pretty soon here. Um, but, you know, sometimes we don't have enough time to do all three of these. You know, my recommended sequence, if you have the time, is do your task, get, get it launched, whichever type of task you're doing. This is more convergent tasks. Let them work through it. And then at a certain point, you're going to do that notice and name consolidation. And then you're going to have them do some notes. And while they're doing notes, you're going to put up some check your understanding questions. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to do that for 10 to 15 minutes. So wonderful if you've got time. But what happens if you don't have enough time to do all three of those? We just do the next day. <laughs> keep, it, <laughs> keep it going. Like, uh, this doesn't stop. Like, you know, it, it's nice to always bring closure. But if the kids are enjoying what they're doing and they're they're working through it and that too, um, sometimes you just got to stay out of their way. That's what I would say. I think so too. And um, I also think like I have like weird blocks. I've got a 90 minute block in my six, seven, which I obviously do like notes consolidation. Like I do everything. And like, if you can squeeze in a little consolidation, but, so, but sometimes like with that table and values and we're doing solving equations right now, I'm just going to walk it back a couple of tasks. Like I'm going to start at task four instead of one or task five and start it again, especially because sometimes it's hard and sometimes they don't whip through them like you expect them to. You're like, oh, they're going to be at question 20 in no time. And they're no, not. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's interesting. So like, if it is, if it been more difficult, you get them another kick, kick at the can. And the nice part is, is that their groups change. And then from there, you can go into the consolidation. Like, I think if you have time, always try to consolidate. Like, I think c c consolidation because it's so quick and easy. But the notes is like, like you said, can be time consuming. If I have 40 minutes... Can I spend, if I just did this, can I give them 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. And my kids are, take five minutes to get ready. 
Yes, exactly. That's a 15-minute lesson. Yeah. I think I think one of the things to, to aim for would be to do at least one, right? You might not do all three in order, but you might, and if you only got, if you're tight on time, you might do the notice and name consolidation. If you've got lots of time, you might just do the notes. Or you might just want to do check your understanding because they've clearly got it based off of everything you've seen. Yeah. Um, I think I think the emphasis that I was hearing from Peter when we were talking about this whole launch body close piece is to make sure you have something to close every single time. Mm-hmm. And I think any of these three are good ways to do it. There's probably more other ways. These are kind of the ways to go about it. And then I think the thing that I've seen work really well is the next day when you're going to get your task and maybe try to hit some of the other consolidations is jump right back into the original task That's or give point. some different suggestions, yeah. kind of like what Mike was saying. So there's a lot of great ways to do this. Um, yeah, is there anything we missed that we want to make sure anyone else knows uh, before we wrap this one up? Oh, if we had more time, I would uh, like to talk a little bit more assessment. I've been using a rubric oh, in there. But uh, I don't right, know. Give might, us a little teaser. That might be another topic. But yeah, no, the, I believe the gentleman's name is Tim Ber- uh, Bergesinski. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, we, can, we can put his information in the, in the thing. But he's put out a couple of really amazing rubrics that you can use. Use Google Sheets. And you can just basically copy and paste your uh, your class list in. And it gives you that checklist. And, and it makes a specific uh, spreadsheet for each one of your students that you put in there. And it's fantastic because you can go into like the, your outcomes and put them all in. And it's just something I've been exploring and I'm really super excited about that. Actually, I, I gave up tests in my class and said, no, we're going to do it this way. So I'm jumping all in. So I'm excited to see where this Whoa. goes and get some feedback on it. But we'll have to do another podcast uh, on that and and I can maybe share a couple of things that, that have gone on, but if anybody listening has been using it and, and that'd be fantastic to, to hear how, uh, how people are using that out there. It's pretty, pretty cool. Absolutely. I love that. I think that's an episode right there. Um, and maybe we'll aim to do that soon. So on that note, I think we'll wrap up. We'd love to hear from any of you that have been playing with these new forms of closing, or maybe what you're noticing in your launch body close in your lessons. We're looking forward to some really good interviews. We won't spoil, give any spoilers today, but we've got some really good conversations lined up here that you can look forward to over the next little while. Now that things have calmed down a little bit here in Regina, we're hoping to get back into the habit of producing some episodes for you all. So as always, reach out to us. You can find us on uh, Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days and threads and Instagram. And honestly, you know, we're pretty easy to find. So uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Just call us. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Here's Megan's number. You can send her a text. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Dead silence. Yeah. Because I never respond back. So sorry about that. That's <laughs> no, great. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, and hope we'll hope you tune, tune in again next time. Yeah. Stay mathy, everybody. <laughs> Stay mathy. Stay mathy. Let's go. Thanks for tuning in to Think, Thank, Thunk. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss a new episode. And as always, keep thinking. Keep thinking and keep thunking.